James chapter 2. James chapter 2. I told you we were going to maybe on a series through James. I'm always afraid in that series because something happens and you get sidetracked sometimes. But we're in chapter 2. And a very simple lesson that he has for us in James chapter 2, talking about respect for others. Um, you know, we, we should respect others, by the way. That's not what I'm saying. But uh, we'll, we'll talk about it as we, as we go through. James chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 1. The scripture says, My brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. For if they're coming to your assembly, a man with a gold ring in goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man in vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth gay clothing, and saying to him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? Hearken not, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he hath promised to them that love him. But he hath despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you, and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which ye are called? If you fulfill royal law according to scripture, if you fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, and do well, or ye do well. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. For whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. For he that said, Do not commit adultery, said also, Do not kill. Now if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, art thou become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye and do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For he shall have judgment without mercy, that, sh that has shown no mercy, or that has shown no mercy, and mercy rejoiceth against judgment. We're going to stop right there for today, and we'll pick up with the next one, maybe, uh, maybe the rest of that chapter, maybe next Sunday, or whenever the Lord leads. So here's what we're going to think about. No respect of persons. So how do we, how do we handle this? What do we do? You know, and I, I'm going to have to tell you, I'm going to, I'm going to take this liberty right at the very beginning, and say to you folks at Middleburg that I appreciate this church and I appreciate you so much. I don't know that we've ever had anybody come here. I know we've never had anybody come here that has said to me, well, you know, I came and, and, and your folks just didn't accept me. They kind of shoved me to the corner and pushed me to the side. Nobody spoke to me and yada, 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 and all these kind of things. Now, I have heard those stories of other churches, but I thank you for being uh, faithful and just uh, trusting God. Uh, Terry and I had a conversation many years ago, uh, and she and I had the conversation because she's a treasurer, and you know, and, and when there are financial issues, we discuss those things sometimes, and so if there's a problem or whatever. But uh, it seemed like at once one time, and Terry, you probably remember this conversation. Uh, I don't remember. I think I might have been the one that said. I said, it "Sure, does seem like our church is a magnet for those who have needs, or something along those lines," and so. And Terry said, yes, she said, well, you know, that's probably a good thing. She encouraged me in that. It's probably a good thing because it means that, that people know we have a giving spirit, we have a loving spirit, we have a right part about those things. So I praise the Lord for that. Well, here's what, uh, what I want us to look at today, just a few things, and I'll go as quickly through this as I can. First off, I believe he encourages us in verse 1 that we are to have 
faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Because he says, Brethren, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. So that means we are to have it, just not with respect of persons, right? So let me, let me ask you something, and I want you to think about this. What is this, and, and I want you to notice it's written differently than most of us read it. He said, have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Not the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, but the faith of. Is there a difference in having faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and having the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ? Somebody tell me. Okay, ground rules. This is uh -huh, and this is uh -huh. <laughs> Okay? All right? There's definitely a difference in, in having the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ and having faith in Him. See, I can, I can stand on the outside circle all day long and say, well, I have faith in Him. I have confidence in Him. Uh, you know, I'm certain that He's going to do this. I'm certain that He's going to do that. But when I have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, it means that I make myself available to be His hands and His feet because He dwells in me. And it means that I have his faith. Mm. Jesus said if we have the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, we can move mountains. What can we do if we have the faith of Jesus Christ? We can crush the mountain, can't we? <laughs> More than just move it. So he, he tells us that we should have that faith in him. Now what is that faith? And, and, and here's what I want you to see about Jesus, some things I want you to know. First off, he came to the lowly. He didn't call his disciples of the rich crowd and of those who had lots of money. In fact, most of them came from poor families and they were somewhat needy, to be honest with you. Uh, he came to the sick. He said, it's not the whole that need a physician, but it's the sick. He came to heal the sick and to save those that needed, needed salvation. He had no respect of persons because uh, he ministered to the rich just like he did to the poor. He ministered to those that uh, were well just like he ministered to those that were sick. But his primary ministry was to those who were forsaken and cast out and downtrodden and because they were the ones that were being left out in the world. So another thing I want you to see in verse 5, uh, he says this. <clears throat> the scripture says, Hearken, my beloved brethren, hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom, which he hath promised to them that love him? So who has he chosen? He has chosen the poor of this world to make them rich in faith, heirs of the kingdom. Now, you know and I know that uh, sometimes we, we feel like uh, we're, we're the, um, what do we have? We have classes in our country, right? We have the upper class and we have the middle class and we have the lower class. Isn't that what they tell us that we have? I'm, I'm, I always have trouble with that because I just don't like those divisions. I really don't. Uh, you know, and... and Sometimes those people that, that are a little bit of the upper class feel like they deserve special treatment and they deserve special privileges and so forth, and they may get those in certain places. Uh, they don't get them from me. I mean, you know, it's just, you want them the same. Uh, I know uh, Eddie and I work together and we have different issues at different times in the city with different stuff that we have to do, and somebody feels like, well, you know, I pay a little more taxes than somebody else, so I ought to get a little more than somebody else, or I have a little bit better house, so I'll be a little bit better taken care of. You know, just those kind of things. And we see it quite regularly. And, you know, and consistently we remind ourselves and we remind uh, those that are in the party above us that, hey, we treat everybody the same. We have to. You know, because there's no big idea. My former pastor said this, and I know you've heard me say it. 
He always said there's no big eyes and little ears in the kingdom of God. We're all the same. And I think he's exactly right. He is exactly right. Now, now don't get me wrong. They're spiritual giants. Certainly, I think Billy Graham was a spiritual giant. Would you agree? I think Adrian Rogers was a spiritual giant. I think Billy Sunday was a spiritual giant. Uh, that list goes on and on. Those who, um, you know, Schofield was a spiritual giant. Some of those guys. But they're spiritual giants. But all it means is that they worked their relationship with Jesus Christ. They have no more access to God than you and I do. They have absolutely no more than you and I do. Because we all have the same access to him. So he has chosen the poor of this world to make them rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom. Aren't you glad you don't have to have money to be a Christian? <laughs> I am. <laughs> Aren't you glad you don't have to have money to have eternal life? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, you know, sometimes people look and, and they say, oh, boy, you got money, don't worry about that stuff. And, and, and I work a lot and people ask me, so what are you going to do with all that money? Well, i got to find it first. I don't know what I've done with it, but I've got to find it. So and once I find it, then I'll, I'll give a great portion of it to the Lord. I promise you that. Uh, and then look at verse 8, if you will. A couple of things I want to point out to you. We're going to move through this pretty quickly. But verse 8 says, If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Uh, and I may have written down the wrong verse. I did. It's verse 7. I'm sorry. It's verse 7. Let's go back and read verse 7. Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called. So he's, he's talking about in verse 6, he's talking about the rich. And then he says in verse 7 that they tend to blaspheme his worthy name. How would, how would, he, how would he classify that? How would you know that? What are the rich doing that they blaspheme the name of the Lord? You ever notice that uh, when things are, and I, and I want you to forget about the rich and the poor just for a minute, I want you to just think about your own personal life. You ever notice how that when everything seems to be going well, and this is me, and I, I'll share with you my personal testimony, when things seem to be going well with me, and, and everything's going pretty smooth, and you know, there are no big hurdles to cross, there's no major obstacles flashing up in front of me or jumping up, I tend to be lax in my relationship with Christ. Lax is a bad word for me to use in this church. In this church. <laughs> Not really. I tend to be slack. I tend to be slack uh, in my Christian faith because I, I just kind of take for granted. Everything's okay. Do I really need the Lord? You know, I'm okay. Everything's all right. But buddy, let something happen, and we all of a sudden get serious about our faith, and we get we get down to that tight spot of really praying hard and saying, God, bless our nation. Let me tell you. You know, I don't care how you feel about what happened this week. I'll go on record as saying I do not approve of storming the Capitol, okay? And I'm not going to get into that big discussion about that today. But let me tell you something. It made a lot of us stop and pray a lot harder than we have been praying for our country, did it not? I mean, I've heard people say, man, we need to really pray for our country, but I hadn't heard say anything about praying for the country before. Remember 9-11? When 9-11 happened... We actually had a monumental day in history that nobody talks about anymore where Congress and Senate came together on the steps of the Capitol and began to pray. And they weren't praying to Allah. They weren't praying to Muhammad or somebody. They were praying to God and asking God to spare and deliver our nation. Guys, listen. We, we need to know that uh, if, we, if we tend to think we can make it on our own, according to Scripture, I think we are blaspheming His worthy name. 
Because I want to tell you something. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but without Him, I can do nothing. And I know you hear me say that probably just about every Sunday, it seems like. I know I've said it recently. Without Him, I can do nothing. But He is my strength and He is my refuge. And guys, if we, if we expect His blessings when things go bad, should we not be thanking Him when things are going good? I mean, shouldn't we be, put it, be trusting Him all the time instead of just part of the time? And, and I think that's the picture that He's trying to draw. Verse 6 says, But if you have despised the poor, do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by the which you are called? How do they blaspheme his name? By putting faith and trust in their money and in their power and in their position rather than in God. Guys, our money, our power, our position will go away. It will go away. But our relationship with Jesus Christ will last throughout all eternity. Throughout all eternity. So what kind of relationship do we have? Uh, Kevin posted something yesterday. I read it uh, last night. And, you know, talking about uh, some people are going to be surprised because they're thinking just to do good deeds is going to get them to heaven, and it's not. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's a relationship that we have to work on a daily basis. Any of you that are married know that if you don't work that marital relationship, it gets stale and it gets cold and it can't go away. But guys, we need to work that relationship. Our relationship with Jesus Christ needs to be active and alive and something we need to be taking care of every single day. Um, verse 9, he points out a very important fact to us. And that is, he says this, If ye have respect to persons, ye commit sin. It's not popular to say that. <laughs> it's not politically correct to say that. But it's scriptural. If you have respect to persons, then you commit sin. If you uh, give this person a special position because they have more money or they have a better position or they have more... Uh, the capability of helping you. This, uh, this bothers me. I had this conversation with somebody before. Uh, it seems like when, when election time comes and people are campaigning for different offices, uh, a lot of times they want to come and see me. And they're, they, and I've had this actually said to me, when well, you're a pastor, you got the church in there now. I sure appreciate you getting the church to support me if you would. Hmm. I don't do that. <laughs> person one day said, well, well, what about him? You recommend me take all the vote for him? I said, I think you ought to pray about it and vote how the Lord leads you to vote. Now, if you want to ask me some questions that I might know about that person, I don't mind answering those. I'll tell you what I think, what I feel, what I believe. But I'm not going to tell you to vote for him. Okay? I'll tell you how I vote. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what to do or how to vote. But the, the point is that we, we need to know that if we have respective persons, it is sin. If we place one above another, it's sin, it's wrong. And he goes on to explain this, that sin, uh, look what he says, uh, it is sin, verse 9, they commit sin and are convinced of the law as transgressors. A very liberal translation, and in fact, um, I believe it's the NIV, that says they are convicted of sin. Is that what it says? 
I was waiting to see if somebody had an NIV going to say yes or no. Uh, I'm pretty sure that was another translation I looked at. They're convicted of sin or convicted of the law. And if you're convicted of the law as transgressors, you would have means you're guilty. You're guilty. And we don't have to wait on a court to tell us that. We don't have to wait on a judge somewhere to tell us that. In fact, the scripture teaches that the Holy Spirit himself convicts us. He's the one that speaks to our heart and tells us that something needs to change. So, you know, there's a, there's a passage of Scripture that says there's nothing nature itself to teach you that there is a God. And I believe very, very often we're convicted of the Holy Spirit, even though we may not be believers. People are convicted of the Holy Spirit and they don't realize what it is. They don't know. Because that same Holy Spirit is working righteousness in the world. So they're convicted of the Holy Spirit as transgressors. Whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point is guilty of all. Guys, uh, let me tell you something. It's not a tally sheet. It's not a scorecard. We play a game. If we play sports, you know, the one with the highest score at the end wins, right? Uh, some sports, you got to have the lowest score to win. Um, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not real good at, at uh, games like rummy and those kind of things where you have to wind up with the lowest score at the end. I usually have the highest scores. You know, it puts me. But, but let me tell you something. The Christian life is not a game where we're keeping score. It is a life. And it is a lifestyle. And it's not something we do once or twice a week on Sunday and Wednesday. It's not something we do a couple of times a year during revival times. It's not something we do, you know, on special occasions like Christmas and Easter. That's what church is to some people. You know that, right? It's Sunday morning, maybe Sunday night, maybe Wednesday night. It's some special services occasion, definitely Christmas and Easter. But we're not talking about church. We're talking about Christianity. We're talking about living in the Christian life. We're talking about being uh, and living in the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us that if we're guilty in, in one point, we're guilty of the whole law. So let's go back and look at the Old Testament just for a moment and just think about that law. God gave Moses the law, and he wrote the law down as God gave it to him. And so here the, the, the Hebrews trying to keep this law of Moses. And so they're working that, working that, working that, working that. And they're doing real good in, in everything but one area. He uses the two examples of adultery and, and killing. Since you may not commit adultery, but you killed someone, you're still guilty of the whole law because you have failed, right? Guys, when there's sin in our life, as long as there is sin of any kind in our lives, we are coming up short of the mark. And what do we do with that? We give it to God. We have to depend upon Him. We have to trust Him. Uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, that so many believers miss, I, I think, one of the things that so many of us miss is that we should be a repentant spirit every day. Not just occasionally, not just once in a while. You know, uh, we we have uh, have those jokes sometimes about well, you need to go you need to go after confession you need to go after confession you need to confess that all of us need to be confessing our sins every day and sometimes more than once a day several times a day uh, as soon as the Holy Spirit speaks to our heart reminds us that there's sin in our lives we need to repent immediately not next week the next month or next Sunday but immediately we need to repent and follow the Lord. Now, uh, in the latter 
couple of verses there, verses 12 and 13, he talks about those that, uh, so speak ye and do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. For shall ye have judged, for he shall have judgment without mercy that hath showed no mercy. You know what literally that means? When go back to the first part of the chapter, he's talking about uh, having respect of persons. So if I say to uh, this person, well, you know, they've got on a, a nice three-piece suit and gold rings and so forth, and, and I said, come sit on the front up here where we can, you know, you can, everybody can see. Come be up here with us. Somebody else comes in and they're wearing blue jeans and tennis shoes like a preacher does. Then, and I said to them, well, well, just sit back there on the back. You know, don't, don't make a spectacle. Just kind of sit back there where nobody can see you. Then I'm showing respect to persons. And I am the one that is not showing mercy. Literally what he's saying is if we are, are guilty of placing one above another, you know, sometimes we do it with needs. Well, this person had an evil, but that person's need was greater. And in physical terms, it may have been. But let me tell you something. Sometimes that smallest need in somebody's life is probably more important than that big need in somebody else's. Think about that. Think about that. I think about the widow's might, and I try to think of it in reverse sometimes. You know, these are given all this money and all this money, and the widow gave all that she had. I mean, she gave what she didn't even, wasn't even able to give, but she gave it. She gave all that she had, all that she possibly could, because there was nothing else she had to give. And yet, you know, they kind of frowned on her, and they would give a special place to those who give more money. Well, I don't have to be a golden uh, <laughs> contributor. You know, it, it, it's, it's not about how much we give. It's about our relationship with Jesus Christ. She gave of the heart. They gave of the pocketbook. That was the difference. Guys, let me tell you, our Christianity is not measured by how much money we give. It's not measured by how many church services we attend. It's not measured by how many sermons we listen to. It's not measured by how many good deeds we do. It's not measured by, you know, how many people we shake their hand and tell them we love them. Our Christianity is measured against the law of God. The Holy Spirit is the one that, that gauges our Christianity, if you will. How much we let him work in our lives is what determines uh, our eternity. So my, in closing, my words to you today are that we should uh, have the faith of Jesus Christ. Have it in us. We should not have faith in him we should, but our faith should be his faith. Okay, we should have the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let him live in us. Let him work in us. And let him be the one that leads us and guides us and, and teaches us the things that we should do, the decisions that we should make, the directions that we should go. We should follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a time of invitation. I pray this morning that you just be obedient to the Holy Spirit of God. I don't know what he's spoken to your heart about, if he's spoken to you about anything today. <clears throat> but I know this, uh, you know, we're, we're living in perilous times. My heart's real heavy and has been for quite some time before it's been lost. And we pray often for prodigals in our church. And prodigals can be, you know, I think prodigals can be those that, that uh, are exposed to the gospel, but they never receive the gospel. Prodigals can be those who have trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and now they're out living in the ways of the world. 
proximity for the primates. The guys, all the stuff going on in our world today is people like the most here and worried. You know, it's, it's the end of time, it's the second the other. I don't know what it is, but I know it is. Our God is still in charge. My faith is not in the government, my faith is in Jesus Christ.